are going. Hey guys, this is Bruce at ComboCourses.com and welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about the classified leaks that have just recently happened like live right now as we speak, this stuff is happening. You'll see it all, you know, all over the major news networks, but we're going to talk about it from the perspective of somebody who's in this field, who's worked for the government in classified and unclassified environments and for sensitive with sensitive information publicly and privately and we're just gonna also have open topics i've got you guys on linkedin i've got you on facebook i got you on youtube on tiktok and live on podbean if you have any questions this is live this is unscripted so any questions you have are going to pop up and we're going to read them i'm going to start off with a question we've actually been already been talking on tiktok um and somebody had a question here so i'm going to address those right now we already talked about the cloud versus cybersecurity one. And I apologize in advance for the echo chamber. Like uh, people ask the same questions a lot of times. So I just want everyone to hear it. Like if somebody asked me a legit question, even if they asked me 15 times, I'm going to answer it as best I can, because I feel like the more times we tell the truth, the more it'll get out there. You know what I mean? And usually if somebody asks a question, it's the same. People are also thinking that question. You know, but they just haven't said they haven't said it out loud, but they're thinking the same thing. So um, let me see. There's an there's a guy that says that AI tech like ChatGPT will wipe out most engineering jobs. Um, and that our architect, let me see, route is a that the architect route is a smart choice. Um, does Azure give cloud services to the U.S. government? Though. Okay, that's two separate questions, but let me answer the first question. I kind of already answered it before I started this, but I want to I want to do a take on this because actually I'm writing a book on chat GPT and, and large language models right now. And um, I'm writing like two or three books about it. So the first one's going to be about like, how do you use prompt engineering? The second one is going to be like a broader on ChatGPT alone, and then another, I'll do another one about how I, um, who's an information system security person, is how how do I use it, and like what are the prompts? And I'm gonna have like downloadable prompts that you guys can, bunch of free stuff that I'm doing. As most of the stuff I'm doing in the background, it's really really fun. It's a very, it's an incredible technology. I can see it's gonna really change everything. It's it's if you didn't know, like it's this is the time to get involved with it. Um, it's uh, it's very, very powerful, and it's about to get integrated in every technology that we currently have. It's that powerful. It's like it's like when somebody first made an operating system. It's like when somebody when when the World Wide Web first came out. It's like that. It's revolutionary. It's really going to change everything. And um, and now they're getting they're making it so it has a smaller and smaller footprint so you can actually install it directly onto uh, operating systems. But to answer your question. Will it replace our jobs? In my opinion, my humble opinion, maybe once general intelligence comes out, like maybe when it can is as smart as all humans combined, um, once it gets to that level, yes, like I, it could, it will be able to replace every single job. Now you'll have to change the infrastructure to for cybersecurity in particular. It will be able to, I, it will be able to replace all most jobs, especially. In, in IT. However, that being said, it there'll still be a need for people to, to do work. There, it's not going to eliminate 100% of all jobs, but it will be able to do almost every job. 
<laughs> I know that sounds crazy to say, but after I've been playing with it, I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. Uh, it's it's definitely going to – I don't – how can I explain this? Um, so I think what will happen – Let me. I'll just explain it in my career field, and, and it will make more sense. So a large language model, first of all, what it is is it – it's – they use neural networks. That means like a whole bunch of hosted uh, computers. They tied all these computers together in a network, right? A big brain. Imagine like a big brain. And then they gave it all this information. And they have this program that can learn. This is the secret sauce. It's a program that can take all these connections from all this information. It's not like Google. Google is just basically a big-ass database that's sharing, that's giving you stuff based on keywords you type in. It's not like that. All right. The secret sauce is that this thing can learn. It could take d different connections and put them together, just like we do, just like a child. They they take different connections, put those things together, and come up with different information based off these connections. The way it does that is it takes all the information you give it, it it makes it a number, it, it makes it for the, to simplify it, it makes it into like a number, and then it figures out what's the most common combination of those numbers. It's it looks at patterns of information <clears throat> excuse me it looks at patterns of information kind of like what uh auto auto completion does so auto completion all it does is it takes if you type in th the most likely next thing is going to be e the the right that's the most it's not the it's not definitely what you're going to type but the most likely thing you're going to type at the beginning of a sentence is the so that's kind of what it does but it does this on a large scale so it does it with like it can do it with articles it can do it with scholarly papers. It can do it with essays. It can do it's looked at so much information that it knows it. There's only a certain amount of patterns that human humans are going to come up with when they write an essay, for example. There's only so many patterns we're going to type, even if it's a let's say it's 100 million different patterns. The computer knows all 100,000 patterns that we're going to type. So <laughs> I know this is this is mind blowing, but. Now it knows every type of pattern you could. So if you say, write me an article on climate change effect on our uh, agriculture, it's already read 100,000 papers on that. So it knows the most likely pattern that to put forward in a in a summarization of what you ask it. Does, I hope that makes sense. That is that's how powerful it's very, very powerful. It's It's the equivalent of a person, of the smartest person in the world who can memorize everything with a photographic eidetic memory. And then you have them, and then you have that person to ask them any question and they know all, they know all those questions. They know the answer to everything. That's, that's a large language model. That's what it does. And this is only step one. This is step, this is step 0 0.01. When we haven't, it hasn't even begun. They just started with this stuff. It just, it's been in development for years, but now they have a killer app. They fine tuned it to where they, they've dialed it in to where now they can just keep scaling. And so imagine that piece of software in something like Splunk. So Splunk is a, is a security inf information event manager. And it, it takes all the logs from all over your network and, and can figure out anomalies based off of simple algorithms to figure out, okay, this is weird. You guys should see, and it alerts you. It's like, this is weird. 
you guys should be alerted by this. This is this is strange. Like you should probably take a look at this too. Here's the priority of the strangeness of this. Now, a large language model will be able to take that same information and it will be able to see all the patterns in your organization and be able to map it way better than a simple algorithm. It can even build you an algorithm that can do it better than you can. And all you would have to do is ask it. So just think if they put, and I guarantee you Splunk's already doing this. If they put a large language model into Splunk to where you could just ask it a question and you won't even have to type in what it's using now is like uh, Reg regex. You won't have to know regex. You won't have to know that. You could just say, show me all anomalies for the last 24 hours where people logged in after 9 p.m. And it'll be, it will, the large language model that's built in Splunk will be able to come up with that. It's be like, okay, I know what you're talking about. It will write the regex stuff that you need to type in and it will give you what you want. They're going to put that in firewalls. They're going to put that in operating systems. They're going to put that in your phone. You, they're going to put that in. I know this is hard. To, it's hard to fathom something like this, but this is coming. They're already. This is already in development at Google, at Microsoft, at um, all of these different organizations are in a race to get this stuff in their technology as fast. as You can already start seeing it in browsers and stuff. And then they're trying to figure out a way to monetize it. That's not really the scary part. The scary part is that it's scalable. That means that it can get smarter and smarter. And at some point, it'll be so smart. Somebody put it like this. Right now, it's it's smarter. It's smarter than the average human. But at some point, it's 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 like four times smarter than the average person, right? Eventually, it'll be a thousand times smarter than all of us. And that's like how smart we are compared to ants. We will be like ants to it. There's no question we'll be able to ask that's going to be challenging to it. It will know every pattern that we could possibly consider. It will probably even know what pattern, what questions we're going to ask before we, we even ask. It'll be probably like the minority report. I don't know if you've ever seen that science fiction, but... But that's an interesting one. Check that one out. It's by Philip K. Dick. It's called Minority Report. I don't think it's kind of going to predict the future and stuff, but it will be. I think it'll be close to that kind of thing. I, I think that's kind of where it's going, if I had to guess. Anyway, so do I think that it's going to replace jobs? I think it will be able to, but I don't think it will replace all jobs. Um, I think that the best thing for you to do is to learn prompt engineering because I think people who know prompt engineering will replace people who don't. I think people who embrace AI and understand it are, will, will be 10 times better than people who don't know it. I think your, your, your job will be replaced by somebody who knows how to do prompt engineering because it's going to be implemented in all technologies, if that makes sense. That's what I think is about to happen. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but uh, I think it's a both a good, bad, and ugly thing, actually, just like the internet. The internet was good for us, bad for us, and ugly for us. It was all those things. It it We got elevated to another level, but with that, with great power comes great responsibility, right, to, to quote um, Peter Parker's uncle <laughs> and Stan Lee. I um, hope that answers that question. Does Azure give cloud services to the U.S. government, though? Yes. Yes. Azure. 
So if you go to type in something called FedRAMP, you'll see that the government has a bunch of implementations of different cloud technologies specifically for the government. So Azure, Microsoft's implementation of cloud, um, Amazon's implementation of cloud and Google's implementation of cloud, along with several others like Oracle, they have an implementation of cloud just for the for the government because they realize that the government has to have like an air. They have to have like a separate instance that's not combined with the rest of the private sector. They, they have different needs than the rest, rest of the private sector. And I think that the same thing will happen with AI where the, they'll start to give services specifically for the government. So that the government can have AI in their environments, because right now you can't you can't use I can't use, for example, I work for the government. I can't use AI in the environments I'm in. It's air gapped. It's not meaning it's it, it's not touching. It's touching the gov the the internet, but they have a lot of restrictions on what we can and can't do on the internet from from federal even on unclassified environments. It's it's very much controlled. Uh, let me see. How can I get a remote software engineering job? I'm from Africa. So what I would do, let me walk you through what I would do. Let's let's do a little experimentation here. Let's let's take some time and break this down. I'm going to show you exactly what I would do. I'm going to show you exactly what I would do. If I was in Africa, in any country, really, I took somebody's advice and went to incognito. So you guys don't see my my uh, search history. <laughs> Uh, okay. So here's what I would do. First of all, and if you want to follow along with me, the best place to see my, what I'm doing on the screen is not TikTok. The best place to see me is on either YouTube, Facebook, uh, or indeed, because I'm showing my screen on there. So what I would do is I would say, first of all, what are the top search, uh, job search, searches search sites in, in what let's say a country in africa it can't be all africa ghana let's say ghana right you want a specific country right that that is going to give you the best results a specific country not the whole continent so in ghana it says that these are the top searches i would i would search each one of these right the, these would be my first let's go to this one jobber man I would do this. Here we go. Jobberman. These are in Nigeria. A Nigerian site is the top one for, for Ghana. Then I would do. Okay, it's not letting me freaking click here for some reason. Let's see why. Reject, accept all cookies. Maybe that's why. Okay, there we go. Okay, now we've accepted all cookies, which I don't know if that was a good idea, but here we go. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to do. Let's look at this site here. Let's see. Software engineer. You said I would, I would go to software and data. Right. I would look in all industries. I would look in all locations. Um, and then what I would do. Let's just do a large search first and then we'll look for remote jobs. So we're just going to search for everything. And then uh, here's here's some of the jobs here that are appearing. Let's see what we got here. Unfortunately, not a lot of jobs unless I'm clicking the wrong thing. Okay, here we go. They just broke it up into different categories. So cat we've got marketing, we've got trade services, 
product sales. Let's go into the largest one, which is communication and marketing. Here we go right here. Um, visit sites. Stay on this site. Visit our sites in Africa. Let's just stay on the site. So here we go on Jaraman. And we've got a few jobs here. So now that we've got these 150 sites in, in Ghana and Nigeria, then what I would do is see if I can search by remote jo uh, remote jobs. Let's see if we can find. Normally, sites have like a way that you can filter by just remote jobs, but it looks like they don't have one. Let me see. Job type, contract full-time, part-time, they have that. Features, I don't see anything unless I'm just looking in the wrong place. Um, let's see if we can find, and there's no search feature. Where's the search? Okay. Let's search for, I found a search feature here. Let's search for, um, here's what I would do. Remote. Let's just type in remote. That might not even be the right work from home. Okay. Here it is right here. It just popped up. Let's see if we can find, wow. Okay. This might not be the right site. All right. So what I would do with this site is I would, first of all, sign in. And I would upload my resume, right? I will upload my resume on the very first part of my resume. On summary, I will put looking for remote work, right? So that's Jobberman. And I would do the same thing with Gigi. I would go to this site here. And then I would do the same, same thing. First of all, I would look for sites that have remote work for what I do. That's the very first thing I would do. And then once I did that, I would go ahead and and uh, upload my resume. This doesn't look like it's a resume site. This looks like it's a it's a it's like a Amazon site or something like that. So this is not this site is not what we're looking for. Um, Jobberman is. Let's see. Here's one for Jobweb Ghana. I would do the same thing for this site as well. I guarantee you, if you do all these sites, like I would do all top eleven sites. See all of these right here. I would do the top 11 sites in Ghana if I was looking for a job here. And I would post my resume on every one of these sites, every one of them. And I would ask for, I would suggest and ask for a remote position. That's what I would do. And you can do this with every single country. It's it's not limited to Africa. It's not limited to, uh, to nor North America. You can do this everywhere. It works. It will work. It will work. Hope that answers your question. Um, you should start learning Python and Linux. Somebody's advice to you uh, is to go ahead and learn Python and Linux. Um, do you? And then somebody asked me, do you recommend Linux administrator, assist admin as a starting job? I eventually wanted to get into cloud. Um, that's, that's not bad. Like being a sysadmin, anything you can learn, especially when you're beginning, anything that you can learn is going to be helpful. Some of the top skills you can learn from a technical perspective are going to be, um, are going to be, um, learning the command line, command line in Linux, command line in, uh, in Microsoft and Windows command line in Mac OS, which is also Linux, by the way. That's why Linux is so important. Um, if you know how to do Linux command line, this is this is this is gonna blow, blow your mind if you're in IT already. If you're just starting out, some of y'all don't know exactly what I'm about to say. 
If you know Linux, um, how to, if you know Linux, you also know Cisco, you know Juniper, you know uh, Mac OS. It's because a lot of platforms are based on the Linux kernel. So they use a lot of the Linux commands. So you can actually, I mean, they're, they're going to have their own specialized commands. Like Palo Alto Firewall has its own special commands. But if once you get in the command line and you kind of know how to work work your way around, you, you it's going to be, it's going to feel very familiar to Linux. So Linux is probably one of the most powerful things you can learn. It's a linchpin to other things. Like just knowing Linux and some a little bit of scripting, not even a lot, like a just Linux alone, if you know enough Linux command, you can easily do scripting because all scripting is is a chain of Linux commands. That's all it is. Like there's some scripting languages that are a lot more, a little bit more complex, like Python and, and Perl and stuff like that. Those are more PHP, but you can do batch commands uh with Linux scripts. Like that mean all that means is like do this first, then this, then this, then this. You know, make this directory, then copy this file to it, and then see if this file has this or that. And if it has this or that, delete it. Like you, if you know all these different basic, basic commands, it it's very, very powerful because it's going to allow you to know all these other things that are built on Linux, including Mac OS is built on Linux. Um, a lot of backend terminals of financial systems are built on Linux. Uh, uh, most if not all networking systems are built on Linux, all switches, hubs, even some um, even some intrusion protection systems are built on, on Linux. So if you know some Linux, like you basically, you can work your way around and figure out any just about anything else. I mean, there's some real crazy off-brand stuff. Unix too, though. Unix, a lot, so many systems copy Unix that if you know like Unix commands, which are very similar to Linux, if you know Linux, you also know a lot of Unix. They use a lot of the same commands, like probably 85% of the commands you see on Linux, you can use on Unix and Unix you can use on Linux. So yeah, Linux is super powerful. Like if you're first starting out, Linux is very, very good to know. Uh, NC Worker says, good afternoon, everyone. Thanks, man. Good afternoon to you, too. Uh, let me see. I got some more questions on, on uh, TikTok. Oh, let me see. Damn, should I scratch all this and just go toward prompt engineering? No, no, absolutely not. not. With prompt engineering, you still have to know IT stuff. Um, prompt engineering is some stuff you need to know in addition to like it's it's kind of like a linux thing if you know if you know linux like it's gonna so many things are built on it it's gonna just help you out with everything you know and and, and networking too like so many things need networking that if you once you know how to use basic networking like you can you, you can work your way or so many things need it like a lot of troubleshooting it requires that you know basic networking so I would say if you know basic networking, like how do IPs talk to one another, you don't have to break down packets. That's like that's like packet analysis and like system. If you're trying to be a cybersecurity analyst, that's that kind of stuff. But if you just know how to do basic networking, how to make this IP talk to this IP on the same network on different networks, that is huge. If you know how to do Linux 
specifically Linux command line, but also Microsoft command line, those two, uh, that's huge for you technically. Um, another basic thing to know is how cloud technology works because a lot of technology, especially large organizations, are using cloud technology. So it, it will be very beneficial for you to know that. Um, best practices, cybersecurity best practices, super, super good to know um, because you're going to be using that. Even if you're on the help desk, you're going to be you're going to have to know basic uh, best practices for security. I would say the top 25 port protocols and services. Port 25, what is it? Port 23, what is it? Port uh, 123, which, what is that? You know, those basic ports, probably the top 25 ports. I would know those. If you know those, and then prompt engineering is going to be important. It's not important yet, but it's, it's going to, it's going to, it's getting there because they're going to integrate that with everything. Uh, let me see. Um, I have some experience with Linux and Python. Uh, maybe it's the way my CV is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, put you need to put that stuff on your resume if you if you know that stuff. Let me see. I got some other questions here just coming in. Can you start as a security analyst and then branch into things like cloud? And cloud security, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It's a great place to start. If you if you're a cybersecurity analyst, um, that's a great launching pad. I mean, actually, you're in the middle of everything with with security analyst work because you have to know how networking. You have to have a very strong understanding of networking. You have to know packet analysis, which means you know the three way handshake. You know stuff like that. So, uh, cloud is a great addition to your skill set. Great, a great, magnificent. So it's really, really good for you to know to branch off in the cloud. Um, right now, it's such a hot market, man. Just putting it on your resume and having some experience on it is is really, really good. Um, let me ask some questions on YouTube real quick. Joe, my man, Joe. Hey, Bruce, I didn't get the position at Expedia Group, but it's okay. Thank you so much for your help. Joe, listen, man. So here's the secret. Don't stop. All right. Keep putting your resume out there. Be aggressive. Right. Um, you're not necessarily going to get the first two that you interview for, but don't be discouraged. What you need to do is keep being aggressive. Right. You, you want to be passive by putting the resume that you and I worked on. Put that everywhere. Right. You got, need to continue that. And then don't stop until you get a position. Even when you get a position, you probably want to keep your resume out there. Um, anyway, passively put your resume everywhere so that the algorithm is constantly feeding your resume to these other employers. And then actively, aggressively apply for each one of these positions. Now, if you've done what I said, which is to upload your resume to all these different top 10 places, the next thing you want to do is start doing is start applying for each one of these jobs. They've, they've got this button on LinkedIn, on Dice, and on Monster. It's called like a, a quick, quick connect. Let me see if I remember how to what is what's called. Um, it's like a a quick. You just hit a button and it sends your resume over to these people, to these other organizations. And if you have your resume already out there, that's exactly what you want to do. Let me see if I can find it on Dice.com real quick. It's got different names for you. Probably already know what I'm talking about. It's called. Give me a second here. 
there's like one button. Once you've uploaded all your stuff on the site, they got this button that you can hit and it just automatically, you don't have to fill out. a. Well, if you do have to fill out their application, it'll be very quick. It'll just be very quick information. And what the reason why it's important is because what it'll do is it'll allow you to just like quickly um, jump on a whole bunch of systems at once. I mean, uh, different uh, jobs, like back to back. Let me see. It's called let's see, cybersecurity. I'm on Dice.com. I'm checking it out right now. What the name? They have a different name on Dice, on Indeed, on all these different sites. And uh, it's like one button you hit. And I know somebody knows exactly what button, what I'm talking about. Once your resume is out there, it's called, let me see here. I'm going to see if I can find it. Not every job has it, but if they've set their, their job application up, then they'll have a way for you to quickly join, quickly apply. It's called quick apply, quick easy apply, something like that. I can't remember the name of it and I'm not seeing it, so. I don't know why I'm not seeing that job, that name. Maybe it's Indeed. Indeed's not going to have it. LinkedIn has it, but I'm already on LinkedIn, and I don't want to see my face here. Let's see. Job cyber security. Cyber security professional. Let me just search that real quick. And then I'm going to go to jobs. And it's called, um, they have an apply button for each one, but they have one called easy apply. Let me see, what is the name of that? What is the name of that? Bear with me guys, I'm looking for uh, that e that button. The easy apply button. I just don't recall. Easy apply. Yeah, okay, I was right. <laughs> on Indeed, it's called. Let me show you my screen real quick. If you happen to be watching me on uh, Facebook or YouTube, you'll see this. Yeah, this is the button right here that I was talking about. See that? Once you put your profile, you'll see this. You want to apply for these like fast. Like you can just literally click this button, and it's going to apply you to that to that site. Uh, and then you can do the same thing on Dice has one. It's called Quick Apply. They have different names for it. But the reason why this is effective is because if you it allows you to apply to more jobs faster. And uh, and that's kind of what you want. But the only way to get the easy apply button is to fully, completely fill out your profile. So just keep applying for jobs. It, that's the bottom line. Just keep applying, keep applying, go to interviews. It'll get exhausting after a while. But it's worth it because if once you get the job you want, man, like you, you win. It's just a matter of time. And the jobs you're trying to get, keep in mind, are very, very, uh, are very competitive. So the best jobs are always going to be more competitive. Let me see. LinkedIn. Somebody says, what job would you recommend applying for right after graduating with an associate's degree in cybersecurity, an entry-level job. Any entry-level job you can get, as a matter of fact, before you even get out of university, you should start, and I say this every week. <laughs> every week I say this, but before you even get out of university, you should start getting, uh, um, don't wait, 
to get experience. Apply at the school. Like look around at the school. If you can even do it for free, you want to be able to put that on your resume and say, I work from the University of Phoenix. We applied X amount of patches on these systems right here. Even if you do it for free, that's money when you get out. But they have work job. They have working students there. If you can get in that, a friend of mine actually does this. When this dude gets out of university, man, he's paid. Even if he has an associate's bachelor's, don't even matter. They want that experience. And once you can get that, another thing you can do is internships and apprenticeships. If you can find those in college, like this is the time to start. Do not start when you get out. Start right now. Even put your resume out right now. That's what you should do. Put your resume out right now. Even if you have no experience, put it out there. Put all your skills right now. As a college student, you have skills. Right. You've probably already gone to a Python class. You probably already gone to a C++. Put that shit on your resume, man. Put that on your resume right now. Put it on Dice, on Indeed, on Monster, on all the top 20 job sites and fill it out completely. If you have certs, if you have whatever you have and you can even put on your that you're working on your degree, working on associates plan to be done by 2023. Expected date to be done 2023 that in progress expected. Projected date of completion 2024, 2020, whatever it is, that all applies. Okay, let me see. I got some more questions on YouTube from YouTube. Somebody says, question, what are the best tech hub areas to move in besides Seattle and San Francisco? <laughs> uh, the best, that's a great question. Um, the best tech hubs are going to be in order, okay? DMV area, number one by far. D.C., Virginia, uh, Maryland. D.C., Virginia, Maryland, DMV area. Those are the top places, especially if you're doing cybersecurity. In cybersecurity compliance, nothing even comes close, and they pay very good. Uh, but also you have New York. I've gotten calls from New York. You've got on, on the south part of the uh south part of the equator on the east coast is florida you've got miami is a hot spot um other parts of florida i think tampa is pretty good i've gotten calls from there and another big one nobody talks about from the south that's also on the east coast is freaking georgia georgia is a huge tech spot right now it's on fire atlanta in particular and they pay really good so i got a i got a buddy who's doing pci compliance out there right now He's making at least 90, um, six, uh, uh, six figures to 90, something like that. By now, six figures. Um, yeah, by far, uh, New England, that whole area, DMV area, that whole, that has the most jobs by far on IT, especially cybersecurity. Um, other tech spots would be besides Seattle and San Francisco that actually some of them are even better than San Francisco. Those The ones I just named. Uh, the DMV area is better than San Francisco. Um, another tech spot would be Texas, Plano, Texas, and Dallas-Fort Worth. That area is uh, is hot. And then another place would be Southern California, LA, and uh, San Diego has a lot of jobs. And then um, anybody else? Name some places. Name some places. Um, I'm talking about the places that. I know most of my jobs, like when I work remotely, I'm working for a company that's on the East Coast. The last three jobs, the last two jobs I've worked, three, the last three jobs I've worked were on the East Coast. 
D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. Most most of the jobs. I worked at Verizon. That's based out of New York. So most of the tech jobs are coming out of there, man, the East Coast. And if you think about it in the, in the U.S., if you look at the dem, uh, the demographics of the U.S., the the East Coast is more compact than the West Coast. So West Coast is a lot more spread out. Um, you might have a lot of people in San Fran or a lot of people in Seattle in particular, but there's so many people packed into one spot in on the East Coast. Um, let me see. That's that's a great question, though. Thanks for asking that. I'm in Colorado and there's a lot of jobs here, but mostly it's for like military information security and IT jobs because there's so many bases here. Uh, let me see. Appreciate your info. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the question. Um, before I get started talking about like government leaks, <laughs> I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask you a couple more questions. Would government tech ever see any layoffs? I mean, it does from time to time. Jazz, uh, I could tell you, like in 2000 and in 2008. A little story for you about government layoffs. Okay, so with government layoffs is a little different, right? It's not it's not linked to the stock market. It's it loosely loosely connected to the stock market, but mostly it's connected to laws. It's a it's connected to laws and and federal contracts. So federal contracting jobs is linked directly to the uh, to the how much money is allocated for federal organizations. So whenever the whenever the con Congress is talking about how much money will go to the federal government, that is what we're looking at. And I remember in 2008 and Obama was elected. And one of the things Obama said was that he was going to he was going to cut back on military spending, right? Which actually that sounds pretty I think it sounds pretty smart because the U.S. spends like twice as much as the most uh, as all the next 10 countries combined or something, something like that. You could take all the next countries combined, like all their entire economies and how much they spend, how much they spend on the government or the military. And we the U.S. spends twice as much as all them combined. It's crazy how much the U.S. spends on. So anyway, Obama gets in office and, and he's like, I'm going to cut military spending. And he did. He got in office and he cut it by like 15%. And let me tell you, these people were freaking the hell out because their, their budgets got cut. <laughs> they were, they were losing their minds. They were like, dude, this dude's about to destroy the military. He's about to, and that's not what he did. I mean, basically they, they did lower the amount that the, this, the uh, military was getting, but what they did was they started they consolidated bases and stuff like the military overall was kind of still about the same size. I mean, I think they cut it by it might have got cut by five percent or something like. But these people were freaking out. They did collapse some bases and put them together and they like reformed some stuff or whatever. Uh, but that shift did it did hurt us like it, people. They did start laying people off. So it does happen. But it's normally it's dependent not on necessarily the S&P 500 or the stock in. The stock market is dependent on how much money is allocated to to federal spending. You know how much the tax dollars goes to this or that agency is where 
you start to see the layoffs. Like one organization that got hit hard, really, really hard in the last three administrations has been uh, the USCIS, um, that whole branch, uh, parts of the DHS, parts of this part, like the embassies, they got hit really hard. Once they're, they cut those budgets, man, they stopped spending on a lot of stuff. They, they start laying people off, you name it. So you'll, what you'll see is the, the Congress or whoever, they'll be like, yeah, we're going to cut spending here on transportation department and with HUD or whatever. And that's when you see that part of the industry go down. Like they start laying people off, their contracts get a little slimmer. They have to hire less people, stuff like that. So I hope that hope that answers your question. Ask a couple more questions here. Oh, Joe. Okay. Uh, but sir says Austin, Texas, Boston, MA. I didn't think of that one. Boulder, Colorado. That's also huge. Oh my lord, I forgot about that. I'm in Colorado. That's a great one, man. That's great. That it is a huge. I had no idea Boulder was such a big tech spot, but it is. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for adding that information there. Uh, let me see. Do you plan on being a prompt engineer in the near future or you want to just focus on GRC? I'm GRC is my is my bread and butter. I'm going to use GRC as a as an addition to my tool set. I mean, I'm not going to like replace that necessarily with what I'm doing. It's just going to be like, hey, I also know how to do this. You know, it'd be like adding Linux to me. It's like adding Linux to my to my toolbox. Like I know I now know how to use Splunk. I now know how to use Linux, Red Hat 5 or whatever, you know, it is right now. So I'm going to be able to say, yeah, I know how to do prompt engineering. I've, you know, I've been messing around with it. I know how to if you guys are going to integrate that, I, that's something I know how to use. So for me, that's what it and I think that all of us as IT people is kind of like cloud like when everything starts shifting to cloud, like that's something we should probably know a little bit of and know like because it's been the last few interviews I've had. They keep asking cloud information, cloud questions. I'm like, dude, I do not know cloud. I do, I do not know cloud. You know, virtualization was same thing happened was as soon as everybody start integrating that. They start asking those questions. Government's pretty slow. So I don't see them integrating prompt engineering for another two, three years. It'll probably take it'll take two, three years for them to really integrate it. And it'll be integrated via tools. It'll be integrated by like Splunk will have uh, prompt. Uh, it'll, Splunk, for example, will integrate something like ChatGPT. And then the, the government already has a huge contract with Splunk. And so you'll have to know it because to use Splunk, it'll be something like that. Oh, you don't have to know it, but it it will help be helpful that you know that. So that's where I think it'll be integrated. So it, it it's it's a great thing to know. Hope that answers your question, sir. Thank you for that question, by the way. Um, let me see, let me see. I got a bunch of questions here, but I I want to just talk a little bit about what's going on right now in uh, this government leak. I just think it's something that you guys should know. Since I talk so much about getting jobs with the government and um and everything. It's just something that something that you should all know before you before you get into this. And just to kind of catch you up on what's going on, um, let me show you my screen here. And for those who are listening to me talk and can't see my screen, I'll just explain it. So what's happened is this dude named Jack Tajir, I believe you pronounce how you pronounce his name, 20-year-old Air National Guardsman. 
uh, he's on the he's online. He's trying to imp- impress his his friends. He's you know he's in a Discord channel or whatever. He's a huge gamer. He starts. He's trying to like impress his buddies and stuff, and he's telling them, "Yo, I, I've access to all this classified material." And they're probably like, "Whatever, dude. Uh, you know, just either show us or shut up. You know, show us or shut up." And he shows them. He starts putting stuff. Now, it wasn't intended to leak to all the world, but what he was trying to do is impress his buddies. He's trying to say, "Listen, I l- here's what I know," and he starts leaking it. And some people, I'm sure, they saw it and they don't even know what they're looking at. They're like, "What is this?" But what happens is it goes viral. It's on, I believe it was on Reddit. It went viral and it turns out it was real. And then the news media got a hold of it. And then they start investigating, yo, who is this and who leaked this information? And of course they found the dude. And now the dude's house is surrounded by FBI. He's arrested. He's looking at 15 years to life. Um, And I just want to say, if you're trying to go into work for the, public sector that's the government that's the state federal government federal in particular if you're trying to work for them there's a lot of jobs to do this as a contractor but let me tell you something they do not mess around with their information if you're if you're trying to leak their information if you have if you're a conscious conscientious objector you don't agree with what the military is doing or the agency you're working for is doing think about this just consider this this man is not going to see his family for probably for 15 years. Um, he will not be free for like 15, the better part of 15 years. That's what he gave up. And for what? To impress his friends. And I can tell you a specific story. Without naming names, I'm not going to tell you where I worked or anything like that. But anybody who worked with me at that time will know exactly what I'm talking about. So years ago, I worked for a federal organization and we were in a forward operating base that means we're in a hot zone um overseas i'm working there and we're working with classified information we're working with unclassified classified information all the time we have two or three different networks and we're we're i'm a security guy like watching all the data go across you know whatever wherever we have a security incident we have to respond to it somebody in our team is leaking information. So this dude was, and I don't know what this guy was thinking because certain three-level letter organizations can see everything we're doing. If we're on their network, if you're on Gmail on their network, if you're on Facebook, if you logged into your Facebook account on their network, whatever, they can see everything you're doing. They have all your passwords. They can see screenshots of everything. I know this because sometimes Sometimes people would be passing passwords. They would put passwords to pass it to themselves. And you're not supposed to. I mean, obviously, you're not supposed to do that. They would put it in there. They would take a password and put it in their account, save it to themselves as a draft. And then when they go to another base, it's there, right? That way, the configurations or whatever IP addresses are there. So they would take it. And and this three-letter agency can see everything we're doing. Every, everything because they would they would do a screenshot and say look if you're doing this right here don't do this and it would be a it would be a capture of somebody's freaking 
Gmail account. Like this, these guys are no Joe. They see everything that we did. Now I don't know if they can do that publicly. I'm not sure what their capabilities are or anything like that. But if you're on their network, they can see everything you're doing. So I don't know what this guy was thinking when he did this, but um, he, he, he was taking classified stuff, copying it on a regular. Now what I'm saying it doesn't even sound real, but he was copy it on a print on a scanner. And then he would, email it to himself and then he would email it to our ops the enemy and i'm not gonna reveal who you know what or whatever i don't want to go to jail myself so <laughs> i don't know how much of this anyway he would he was mailing that to them our ops and they caught him of course they could see everything we're doing yeah no way yeah this actually happened and then next thing you know this man the fbi or whoever we're in a foreign operating base, like we're on a base and the freaking FBI came in or who I don't know who they were, but they came in in suits and they grabbed this dude and he was out. He was out of there. You know, that dude's probably facing 15 years, you know, to this day. So I don't know. Listen, I, I just want to say if you're going to work for the federal government and you're going to be have access to their secrets. Just just they take it very seriously. Like this is no joke. Um, and the reason why I understand is because it's inf information is, is king right now, all the federal governments, all the governments, all over the world are in a, a cyber war against one another. This is not a secret. Just go on Google news and you'll see it happen playing out in real time. You know, it'll be this or that place got hacked. This or that information was leaked. This was the response to that leaked information. There's a balloon flying over this or that country. They're all gathering information on one another. All of them do it, right? It's an open secret. And any information that they can gather, any information they can gather on one another is a is, is a one point against the other person. So that's kind of the game that's being played. So if you take that information, you give it to another organization, you put it publicly, you just hurt. You just hurt this organization's uh, stance against these other federal organizations. We're all trying to steal any information they can from each other. It's a it's a cyber information war that's going on, and it's been going on for like two decades, and and it's or longer. And it's just hard. It's really hardcore. It's, it is more impactful right now than nuclear weapons. Uh, it's by far. It's it's real. So like if you happen to work for the federal organization, just keep in mind if you you're looking at your freedom, like your personal freedom, freedom. If you're thinking about leaking information, uh, I I think about your family, think about your kids, think about your seeing your family. Think about think about your freedom. Is it worth it? Think about that before you consider what you it'd be better just quit the job like if you have that many problems then it'd be better just leave just walk away just quit and be like look i, I don't want to be involved with this i'm done i want to live the rest of my life it's not worth it man it's just not worth it it's not I mean, it's not worth it it's not worth your freedom um mr perry said uh this awareness about ethics and cyber is very important it's 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 extreme i just want you guys to know like i know we're in a different world right now like I'm I'm a I'm Gen X and and boomers like we kind of have been brainwashed. Like when we get in, when we're reading the paper that says 
if you leak in this information, it is punishable by the to the fullest extent of the law, including death. Like when I see that personally and I sign the dotted line, I take that very seriously. Like when I'm signing, I'm I'm thinking to myself, yeah, if I leak this, I can die. That's that's what I'm thinking. I think that Gen X, uh, Gen Z and millennials think a little differently about it. Um, but I'm just going to tell you, they take their information very, very seriously. Very, very seriously. So just think about that before you leak any information. <laughs> it's not worth it. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of how you feel about whether you're going to save the world or whatever, right? Just just keep in mind, you're jeopardizing your freedom for the next, the better part of 15 years. And ask yourself if it's worth it, if it's worth saving whoever you think you're going to save. You're going to leak the information thinking you're doing the, the right thing. And then it, you're going to be in jail for 10 years. And then meanwhile, these two countries are going to be, be shaking hands like in five years. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. My bad. Meanwhile, you're still going to be in prison. Is you got to ask yourself if it's worth it. I mean, that's all I'm saying. Like, ask yourself: Is it worth me not seeing my kids? Is it worth not seeing my mom and dad, my cousins, my best friends anymore? And I'm in prison for what? So these guys can make up in three years and say, "Oh, sorry, my bad." You know, here's sorry for bombing this or that or whatever. You know, and then now they're buddies or something. Like, it's I, you get, just ask yourself if it's worth it. Don't don't do it. Is is the moral of the story is don't do it. Okay, let me answer some more questions here. Government is a mess. Somebody said another 20,000 minutes in top, uh, another 20,000 minimum with top secret. Okay, let me see. It was, okay, let me see if there's any other questions or great comments here in TikTok. I see you guys on Facebook. See you guys on on uh, in Instagram. See you guys on uh, on LinkedIn. Somebody said he was told he'd be he'd be a duck if he didn't prove that he had files. Oh yeah yeah yeah. They were like. Uh, you mean you mean you mean a cuck <laughs> if he didn't leak the transcripts i mean peer pressure man he's a young dude i i kind of feel for the guy you know actually i kind of feel for him like it's i just want you guys to know especially younger people man these guys man they're not playing around man they're these these government types man they're they're not playing around they're gonna make an example of this dude and it doesn't matter if you're right or left or whatever you feel. I mean, if you feel like getting 10 to life is worth it, uh, 10 years, 15, I think 15 years, the minimum. Um, just just think about your own freedom. If it's worth whatever cause or belief you have, like, just think about that. If it's worth it. Does having a secret clearance boost your salary? Yes. Um, it increases your, your salary. It increases your um, employability because a lot of organizations are looking for that clearance. So if you have it, 
you are you're competing against much less people because only certain people are eligible to even get that secret clearance. So the pool of people you're competing against is much smaller and it's harder for these organizations to find somebody like yourself who has a secret clearance if you happen to have one. So so um yeah, it it does increase your ability to even get a job. It it's more in demand with less supply because there's there's less of you. Um, and it pays a little bit more than your average job. Somebody said, are you prior prior service? Yes. Air Force. I was I was in for about eight years. I did. I was security forces, worked very heavily with the Marines and the Army. And then I cross trained. Uh, you guys would call it. I don't know what you guys call it. Um, I changed MOSs, I guess you would say, uh, and start working in um, IT. I'm getting a degree in cybersecurity um, and just medically retired from the army with a secret. That's awesome. A secret clearance. Yeah. So that's your your positioning yourself to to make a good chunk of money. So a lot of these agencies, they look highly on on military people. Like if you're ex-military, because number one, a lot of them have a clearance already because in the military, like even if you're a janitor, you might get a, a clearance. Right. Um, so you, you probably have a clearance and then military people tend to work very hard. So they, they know that they expect a certain level of work out of you. They, they know that you're going to take the work seriously that you give them. Um, they know that there's a certain level of trustworthiness that comes with military people. And, uh, and usually you have a certain level of maturity and experience that comes with coming out of the military. So if you, and then if you have a clearance, man, so yeah, you, all you need now is the skill set. If you want to get into IT. Um, the skill sets, what you need next. Now, the thing I would say is if you don't have the experience in cybersecurity, I would start with start from the bottom, which is IT, just basic IT, not from the bottom per se, but it's you got to you've got to know the foundations of of cybersecurity first. So if you once you get in, just uh, you get into university as you're starting to learn, whether it's online or whatever accelerated course, start putting your resume together, start gathering everything you've done in the military, put that on there and then also start building out your profile. And I would say also start trying to get experience. I know that that's a tall order for all that stuff, but this should be your top priority because experience is the most important thing you can get. Even more important than your clearance. Experience is the most important thing you can get in IT. That being said, any kind of experience you do have, um, when you put it there and you're coming from the military, you just need to put in terms that civilians can understand. Because if you're using a bunch of army terms, sometimes me as an Air Force guy, I can't understand what's going on with an army with, you know, some of the some of the term. I mean, I worked the army a lot, so I know some of the terminology, but I don't know a lot of terminology from the Navy. You know what I mean? So it's very branch specific, some of the terminology. So you need to make it so that it looks more like a civilian resume if you're trying to work outside the military so the best place you can look for you can actually download my free resume go check out mine and it'll give you an idea of how to word it because i was in the military you won't see a lot of military jargon in there but another place you can learn go is linkedin go to linkedin and check out other people's resume and then that'll give you some more information my mom is the director of information security of information systems and she recommended that i go into cybersecurity. she's smart smart lady Cause it's hot right now, man. I've been doing this for since I I've been doing this 
since uh, when I got out of the military in, in 2003. And even in a recession, I'm still getting job offers. I haven't, I, th this is the second big recession and I was getting job offers back then. As a matter of fact, a lot of times I'll do better in recessions than, uh, than the regular. <laughs> Cybersecurity is hot, man. It's, it's no joke. I mean, it's not, it's not easy. Somebody, somebody asked me a great question on TikTok. Let me just see if I can find that. Somebody said, so this is a great, this is a great question. Whoever asked, whoever said this or asked this question, thank you. I can't find your comment here, but let me just paraphrase what you said. They said, somebody said on here, I wish I could find that comment. It was like one of the first ones. They said, is cybersecurity as easy and uh, glamorous and luxurious as some YouTubers make it out to be? And I would say, absolutely not. It's not glamorous. Okay, let me let me explain some of the pros and cons. Okay, pros, you always be able to get a job. They pay it pays pretty well because it's very specialized. It's niche. It's a it's a niche um, of a very lucrative. IT itself is pretty lucrative, but then you cybersecurity is like a niche of that. Like it's one branch of that. You're specializing, which makes you multidisciplinary. So you're always gonna be uh, sought after. So you'll always have work. It pays pretty good. And uh, right now it's hot. Like everybody's talking about it. So those are three good things about it. Um, the bad things about cybersecurity that they don't typically talk about is that it can be very stressful. So cybersecurity, a lot of times you're dealing with data breaches. You're dealing with security incidents. You're talking about um, sites getting places getting hacked. You're talking about um, some serious issues that can affect organizations, not only their bottom line, but their reputation and their and sometimes lives are involved, like especially if you're working with the government, like sometimes you're working on on systems that are uh, helping people to so to are in a bad in a war zone. And if that system's not up or if it gets hacked or something, you're literally talking about somebody's lives, national security systems are talking about not just reputation of the or whole nation, not just money, but also sometimes in some cases lives. Like when that data got leaked, some of these leaks are leaking the positions of informants and that puts their life in danger. So if this system leaks information and there and it's a list of informants that are in a country of hostile country, you know what I'm saying? Now it's on WikiLeaks. And this person's name, real name, and their family and where they live is on WikiLeaks. Is that is that good? Think about that. That this person's life is now in danger. So you're dealing with high level information a lot of times. So people are stressed the heck out, right? So that being said, sometimes again these meetings and people are freaking out, and I have to be the calmest person in the room. Not all cybersecurity jobs are like this. You got firewall admin guys. You've got uh, you've got network security guys. You got you know crypto guys, cryptography guys. I should say um, you've got different jobs that are not as stressful as what I do. Like what I'm doing is information system security officer work for a three letter organization. It gets stressful because we're dealing with high level systems that need to have a certain level of security posture, and if that doesn't happen, people get on there and they freak out. So, um, no, so that's one of the bad things is sometimes it's, it can be stressful and you got to have a high level of maturity, a high level of emotional intelligence to remain calm when people are freaking out about stuff. 
And and so that's one of the hard things. Is it glamorous? No, like I do travel. I can travel, but those jobs are hard to find. A cybersecurity job where you can travel is hard to find. A lot of times they're very strict about cybersecurity people because they're strict about their information. The current job I'm in now, they I can't go out the country, not with their laptop. So sucks to be me. I'm stuck here and I can't travel. I love traveling and I can't right now. Now, my previous two jobs, I could. I was working in the private sector for one for two of those. Those are two private sector jobs and I was able to travel. But the government typically they're very like, OK, if you if you are going to travel, what country are you going to? How long are you going to be there? Make sure you don't talk to anybody. This and that. Make sure you do this and that with our laptop. Make sure, you, you know, so you got to go through this whole thing if you travel. So is it glamorous? I mean, I like it because it's very stable. I'm a family guy. So for me, it's it's been good, but it's not. Sometimes there there's this portrayal that is, you know, like, no, like it's not always like that. And just being honest with you. Um, So from LinkedIn, my man Perry says, having the skills and knowing how to use the tools is great. However, maturity behind is paramount. You are doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you so much. Like the, that's exactly what I was just talking about is cybersecurity. It needs a certain level of maturity that I think that is not being talked about because a lot of times, like I said, if you if you're in a meeting and there's just been a security breach, dude, it's it's difficult. Like people are in their feelings, man. They are freaking out. They're wanting that. And then they're wanting to play. This is basic humanity human nature to want to blame people. People are playing the blame game or you didn't tell me about this or whatever. And it's like, that's not going to help anybody. Playing the blame game is not going to help anybody. That being said, you got to do CYA. You got to cover your ass because sometimes they want to blame the security people. And you got to be like, listen, last year I told you guys that we need to fix this system. Here's the email that I sent on March 21st, 2022. Right. You got to because they're going to be like, well, you guys, why didn't you guys catch this? Why did you ignore this particular vulnerability? You know, they want to humanity. Humans want to play the blame game. Nobody wants to take responsibility. Really, it's the whole organization's responsibility to secure that system. Not one person, but people lose sight of that and they want to blame people. You know, they want somebody to be the fall guy for it and stuff. And um, you got to be more mature and and come at it with. Uh, a level of emotional intelligence where you're not freaking out. You're the calmest person in the room and and you got, and you're trying to solve a problem. Thanks for that comment. I appreciate that, Mr. Perry. All right. And let me see. I got another question on YouTube on the tubes. Somebody said question as a GRC analyst, how hard is it to pivot over to SOC analyst or software engineer in AI or machine learning. Um, Jojo, so I actually I actually did pivot at one time from GRC to SOC analyst. And just to kind of explain like exactly what I did. So GRC, I was a information system security officer uh, for the first part of my career. I had some technical background, but a lot of it was GRC stuff. And I kind of got bored with it. I'd been doing it for like 15 years. And I just kind of wanted to do something else. I wanted to do, I just wanted to level up. I wanted something else. So I started looking around. Somebody approached me about doing um, SOC analyst work. And actually the title of it was cybersecurity analyst, uh, cybersecurity, cybersecurity analyst. Yeah. But I would be working in a SOC. So I took the job 
they offered me the job. I took it. I, I was in a sock and I learned quite a bit. Um, how how hard it was it for me to pick it up? I had a secure. I had a background in networking, network engineering. I'd done troubleshooting on a help desk for quite a quite a while, um, and then I had Linux. I had a pretty solid grasp of like the back end of Linux. I had some technical hands-on stuff. So if you have some technical hands-on experience of applying patches and uh, looking at logs, and which I had, it wasn't that hard to go the next step. The next step was like packet analysis and Wireshark, which I'd played with those tools before. So I was kind of like a nerd where I would just put it on my laptop and mess around with it. So I kind of already knew what all the tools were. There was some tools I didn't know. Like I didn't know how to use Snort. I didn't know at the time how to use InMap. I didn't know. Like there were certain things I didn't know how to. I'd never touched the seam up to that point. I There were certain things that they taught me. But I, I understood the technology and I was hands-on enough to where I just picked it up pretty fast. And it was just a matter of me getting access to the system, reading the manuals, maybe going to a class or something like that. For the vendor, a vendor class that they have like on their site or whatever. And then I picked it up. So it depends, I would say, it depends on your background. If you have a technical background, then it's it's going to be pretty easy transition. If you have no technical background, you got to learn all that stuff. So you, you're looking at probably like another year of doing hands-on stuff, you know, of learning. It's going to it's, it's gonna be a big learning curve if you don't have no technical background big it's going to be big cuz it's not just network if you if i say if you were just going to network engineering that's not as hard i would say but with with sock analyst work you kind of have to know some networking stuff you know what i mean so basically i had to know some foundational networking stuff and then what's the three way handshake for tcpip so i would say there's a big learning curve if you have no experience or no technical background it's a bit, pretty big learning curve, like a year, a year gap for the average person, I'd say. There's always exceptions. I mean, I'm sure some people could pick it up, no problem at all. Okay, I got a lot of questions on TikTok. Let me see. I'm literally scrolling and scrolling and scrolling through this. And thanks a lot for all you guys are answering questions. Some There's some gurus here that are answering questions for me on my behalf. I, I appreciate that, guys, because I can't get to all these questions. Uh, let me see. What's the first thing you should do after getting an A plus trying to get into cybersecurity? Take the security plus. Um, well, let me let me back up. So the first thing you should do is get a, is get experience. <laughs> That's the first thing you should do. Uh, get experience. Like um, what I mean by experience is like work for an organization and do some actual security, some IT, basic IT stuff in in that field like if you happen to be working in a bank or if you happen to be working in uh, retail or if you happen to be working in, in a hospital whatever the case may be see if you can get experience in there but i have no experience or no okay um see if you can get experience at your job i would try that first if you have a job see if you can get experience doing basic it at your job you sometimes they'll have lateral changes like they'll have if going to their career page and see if you can make a lateral move like you work you're in the front you're in the re, you're in the retail department you're in the front see if you can make a lateral move to be in the in the IT department if you can't do that see if you can volunteer time to work with the IT department if you can't do that go on the I don't ask don't even ask go to the IT guys and say listen 
listen, guys, I work in the retail. I'm on the front desk. I'm at the point of sale device. I want to work. I want to be in IT. Can you, is there a way I can learn? Like, what do you guys suggest? Dude, these people will be so anxious to teach you because most people are not interested in this. So they will teach you. Hand, they, they might even allow you to help them on your own time. If you happen to work there, the, if you have an A-plus certification, my, what I would do next is I would get the experience. While you're working on a Security Plus, work on the Security Plus. Because at the very least, you want to be able to say working on Security Plus. Security Plus is a great certification. It's, it's, it's very good. It's a very good box to check. But also the common body of knowledge is awesome. That it's going to the stuff you're going to learn while you're learning or while you're going through it. That common body of knowledge is really what you need to know to get into cybersecurity. That's what I would do. Hope that helps. Um, somebody said, dude, please go into detail about cybersecurity. I'm very interested in in here and new. So cybersecurity, um, if you guys didn't know, I've got a couple of books out about this. If you go to combocourses.net, I've got a free book coming out in um I got a free book coming out on Tuesday. Um, but if you go to combocourses.net, you'll see the link that goes directly to the book on Amazon that's coming out. Real soon. Now, if you happen to be on my newsletter, you might have already gotten an offer for me to actually review my book. I do this all the time, like every probably every other week or so. I have a new book that comes out or old books that I just haven't marketed yet. I'll put them together and say, listen, anybody want to review this book? Here's a free copy. Read the book. It's yours. All I'm asking for is for you to go give me a review right at your leisure if you want to. So if you're on my newsletter, you know, congrats, like you've already gotten tons of free offers and stuff. And some of it's audio books, guys, like I'm giving away free audio, like just join my, just join my, if you follow me, uh, I give away free stuff all the time. Anyway, and jobs, I'll actually advertise jobs that are coming to me all the time. Join my newsletter. It's going to go to ConvoCourses.com. The first thing you'll see, you see the newsletter, just sign up for it. But also I have a free book coming out on Tuesday and that talks about what I'm about to tell you right now in great detail, much greater detail than I can go into right now in this video. So what is cybersecurity? Cybersecurity is protecting the integrity, confidentiality, and availability of systems. What does that mean? The secrecy, that's confidentiality. The integrity, that is making sure that people don't manipulate your data when, it, when it's going from a point A to point B. And then availability, making sure the system is available. You ever seen Google go down or Gmail go down or Netflix go down? That's availability. It's not available to you, right? So our job as cybersecurity people is to make sure that those three things and those other things too that are there, but these are the main things. These are called security objectives. This is the main thing you need to understand as a cybersecurity per person. That being said, there's many different areas of cybersecurity. There's many, many areas. So the government has broken it out into seven different main areas. And just I'll just talk about a couple of them to give you an idea of how broad this is. So first of all, they have a category that includes things like project management, system admin, help desk. The reason why they include that is because these all of these different and database admins, they all have to know cybersecurity. They all have to know it. They don't acknowledge it. They don't. They just do it like they're applying patches to Oracle database. They're 
updating the security patches on Windows systems if you're on the help desk. They're updating the iOS if you're doing Cisco uh, networking. They're uh, doing port security on a on a switch. Then that's all security stuff. That's all cybersecurity stuff. So that's one category of cybersecurity. People who are doing normal IT stuff who do cybersecurity. Everyone does it actually. Everyone, even you. So um, the other thing, another aspect of cybersecurity is management. There's people who are mostly managers. They not really in the weeds or very technical at all, but they have to know a little bit about the best practices for the organization to do cybersecurity. So they're mostly managers. A lot of people who come to me who have been doing admin work or are unrelated, not technical management stuff, and they're trying to get into cybersecurity, I look at their resume. I'm like, dude, you make a great cybersecurity manager. All you got to do is pass the security plus and you could be a security manager. That's a whole different job. So then you've got people who are really, really in the weeds. These are like the super, the guys you see on the internet talking about hacking and all the glamorous stuff you see in the movies. And that that's real. So you've got a whole section of that kind of stuff. It's probably not as glamorous as what they show in, in Hollywood. But, <laughs> but these guys, they know things like um, how to how to hack into systems, how to breach a system. That means how to go to a server and figure out what ports are open and then how to exploit that port. That means try to manipulate it to get more information or to get inside of that the system via that port or whatever, right? Or connect to it and pull data out. There's so many different things they can do to get in or just pull data out or whatever and then gather more information. That is like ethical hacking. Um, and that's a whole different part of cybersecurity. Then there's stuff that I do, which is policies, uh, process, and procedures. I know I have to know a little bit of technical stuff. I have a technical background, but most of my work is coordinating making sure that patches are getting done. So that I just gave you like four different categories of cybersecurity. My point is cybersecurity is a very broad field. It's not just hacking. You would think it's all just hacking the way that some, most of the guys who are out there who are very popular, uh, who are very smart. That's why they're getting so many. They're, they're the guys with all the views because they're very, they're very smart. They know how to you know do the thumbnail and they're doing all this marketing stuff. So they know how to get themselves in front of you guys. And so that's why they're you're seeing them because they know how to, you know, they're really very technical. So these dudes um, is you would think that all it's all hacking and it's not. It's absolutely not all hacking. That's like probably five percent of what we do uh, as a whole, maybe one percent. It's not very much. So it's a broad field, right? What I do day to day is very different than what the hacker guy does from day to day is very different than what the IT person who happens to do security from time to time is very different. Our daily habits are different. Our are the things that they need from me is very different from what they need from somebody else. So when you say cybersecurity, it's actually a super broad field that tells me a lot about a person. If they if they're asking me how to get in cybersecurity, it means that they don't know. They really don't. They really don't know anything. If a person asks me how do I become a how do I become a cybersecurity analyst, now this person now they're onto something. <laughs> that means this person has done some research on their own. If they tell me how do I do how do I become a network security person, network security that means that they this person has done some research. They've done some homework at the very least. But if they tell me how do I get into cybersecurity? That is a it's a broad it's a very broad field. That means that you you're really a baby.
Like you, you definitely don't know. Like, like you need to first start with information technology. That's what that tells me. So it's a very broad field. And it's, if you're interested, that is awesome. But I would window shop a little bit more to figure out if this is really what you want to do. Cause it's not just hacking. It's, and it sounds glamorous, but there's actually a very huge learning curve to it that not everybody can wants to do. Not everybody has the patience to do this kind of work. It, I will say that like the, like the good things about it is that it's very, it's very um, it, it pays pretty good. It pays better than the average job, and it's pretty secure. So across the board of all the jobs, it's it's very secure. Are there any easy jobs in cybersecurity? Um, yes, there are. Um, a couple that I've that I know of, I would say. Um, probably, well, easy depends on what you mean by easy. Technically easy. There's some jobs that are not technical in cybersecurity. I would say all of them have a difficulty and that's why you get paid more. That's why it's in high demand because no people don't want to do it. They all have some level of difficulty, whether it's very technical or it's high stress or it's hard to get into. And that's what makes it very you're, you're competing against less people for more money. Um, it's going to be one of those things. And that's why it's paid more. Easy technically, I can tell you a few. Project management. Not specifically a cybersecurity position. Wouldn't be considered that. But I can tell you I lean heavily on project managers. Pro pro project and program managers, I lean very heavily on these guys. It's very much aligned with engineering, very much aligned with IT, especially in large organizations. So even though it's not considered directly cybersecurity per se, it's not technical. And they're, all they do is Gantt charts and stuff like that. Now, it is difficult in deal. You got to deal with people. That's where it's difficult. But it's technically not difficult. What I do technically, I'm not doing any hands-on stuff. Do I have to know some stuff about information technology? Absolutely, I do. But I'm not hands-on. So in that way, technically, it I would say was easy compared to something like a firewall guy. Um, so those are two jobs that are technically easy, meaning you're not hands-on. You don't have to know a whole bunch about, you know, uh, one system. Now, I do have to know a lot about, like, uh, frameworks, cybersecurity frameworks, but but that's it's not super hands-on technical. Um, easy in that you don't have to talk to a lot of people. Those would be the more technical jobs. So the more technical jobs are easy in that you're just doing technical stuff. You're not talking to a lot of people. That'd be your firewall administrators, your database administrators, your network engineers. Those are highly technical. So they're very difficult technically, but not hard to, you're not dealing with a bunch of people every day. And then when you do, your time is limited. So they know like people like, hey, we got the firewall guy in here. They're going to schedule you for 30 minutes, talk to you. And you can just bounce and be like, look, I got stuff to do, guys. I got to go. You know, so um, th that's just it depends on what you call difficult. All of all cybersecurity has some level of difficulty, whether it's dealing with people or being very technical or just very difficult to get into. Because there's some jobs that are neither highly technical nor you're not talking to a lot of people, but they're hard to get into. And those are like the classified type positions where you're, I would say, probably Intel analysts 
like the dude who leaked all the information. <laughs> Those dudes. They're not doing a lot of meetings, probably. Well, it depends on the job, but they're probably not doing a lot of meetings. They're looking at data all day. They're not really, they don't have to be super technical. And so that, but that's a hard job to get into because they're going to do a background check on you and they're going to monitor your life from time to time. And like, it's just, it's hard to get into. You got to be a U.S. citizen to do it and all this kind of stuff, right? So every cybersecurity ops has some level of difficulty to it. It just depends. You got to pick your poison kind of. Is there is the security plus not really required for security analysts? So far, you only mentioned security plus. Is the network plus not really required for a security analyst? Yeah, I would say, I would say no. I okay. Listen, before I talk shit about the network plus, I have a network plus. I'm ashamed to say. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. I'm, uh, no, Network Plus is really good for beginners. It's not. It's not very marketable. Uh, it's 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 so basic as to lose some of its edge, um, and it's unfortunate because there's no great network. I don't want to get myself in trouble here, but there's no great network certifications. It's, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, on YouTube and, and TikTok and everything, but I don't know of any great network certifications that are not vendor level, vendor specific. So I, you don't know. To answer your question, you do not need a network plus to be a, a, a cybersecurity analyst. <laughs> you do not need one. Um, no, you don't. You don't need that. <laughs> Network Plus is really good for very, very entry-level people who don't know nothing about anything for networking. Um, I'm not saying don't get it. It's good to know, but it's not very marketable. It's going to be something you get to where you, you, you know, it shows that you know basic networking stuff, which is not, not a bad thing. And I'm not saying don't put it on your resume. Definitely put it on your resume, but you don't you don't need it for it to be a cyber screening analyst and and I only mentioned security plus but there's plenty of other certifications you can get that are going to help you CISA CISM CISSP C risk uh, CEH will help you um, GCIA G, uh, GCIA GCIH all the SANS courses uh, well a lot of the SANS courses are going to help you with a security analyst position uh, that's just to name a few of networks uh, of security type certifications that are going to help you out with a, with that position. All right, let me answer some more questions on from YouTube. Um, let me see here. Joe already answered that question. Alicia Marie, she said, do you offer one-on-one -on -one coaching for risk management, please? I am a senior risk manager and looking for guidance and mentorship. Happy to pay for your service. Um, Ashley, you know, I'm, I have money, but I don't have time. So what I mean to say is I, I at one time I was doing one-on-one -on -one coaching, um, but I, I just don't have time to do that right now. I've even done it for a couple people um, to like help them with their resume, like one-on-one. -on -one. I literally caught like we're talking for like an hour and I told them how to do their resume, where to post it, what they told me their whole situation. I said, okay, here's what you should do. We had a plan and everything. 
And I know that's what people want, but right now I don't, I work for a three letter agency and, and this is the only time I have to even talk to you guys. Um, and then I can do brief, like, you know, 20 minute sessions throughout the week for lives and stuff like that. But I, I don't have a lot of time and I put so much time and effort into helping people when I do do mentorships that it drains me. So I just don't have the energy and time to do it right now. That being said, I do have something where I can look at your resumes, a resume writing service, which um, I have time to take a few people, but you know, I, <laughs> I can't, I don't, unfortunately, I don't have the time to do one-on-one -on -one coaching at the moment, but one day I hope that I can to take one person every other week or something like that. That would be great. Uh, because I have a lot to, I have, I can really help somebody. I've, there's a couple people who right now are doing better than I am after I help them. Uh, I'm being I'm being totally serious about this. If if they listen to me, if they listen to what the hell I'm sent, tell, telling them on that phone, they are doing better than me right now. I, and I'm I talk to them and I'm like, damn, good job. <laughs> like, what can I say? Um, but no, I don't, I don't offer it at, at currently don't offer it, but, um, maybe one day in the future, I hopefully, hopefully I can. Let me see other questions here. Dallas is oversaturated two to ever 3000 applicants for every job. Well, I didn't know that. Um, do you do consulting for those entering it? Yeah, that was, that's the same question. I do not currently do one-on-one -on -one stuff. I just don't have the time to do it. The closest thing I have to that right now, because I just I'm strapped for time, would be the resume writing thing that I've I've been doing for people. I, I've been doing a few like here and there because I just don't have time to do it. How important is networking in technology in the technology industry? How important is networking in the technology industry? Do you mean networking as in knowing a person or networking as in engineering? Which one, Jojo, which one do you mean if you're still watching? Um, I'll answer both just because I don't know which one you mean. So net, how important is networking? Knowing the person, I would say a couple out of out of a maybe half of out of six jobs I've gotten, two of them were based off of somebody I knew. Like somebody, somebody said, I know this guy named Bruce. Like this dude is really sharp. We should bring him in. You know, so I, I would say that part of networking is pretty important, like knowing somebody and not destroying. You should never burn bridges. I'll put it to you that way. Never, never burn bridges if you're in an industry, no matter how bad you hate the organization or how bad, how negative the situation is. Always remain positive because you never know who's going to reach back and say, you know, hey, that you never know who's going to be your reference, I should say. Who who's who's gonna be that person that says, yeah, Bruce was he was a good dude, you know, he really knew this or that. Don't burn your bridges. Cause there's some people who there's some organizations who have contacted me and asked me, hey, you know, what do you think about Lisa? Lisa was Lisa says she knew you from this other job and she put you on as a reference. Like, what do you what do you say about like did Lisa know this and know that? How was she as a worker? And I was if they were good, I'd be like, man, this person was really awesome. Here's what they did. You know that. So networking is really important because you never know who's going to be that reference for you. You never know. You don't want to burn those bridges, man. You don't want to be that because there's some people I, if somebody called me about them right now and, and an employer asked me, I don't have nothing good to say about them. There's a couple people who are so bad 
so bad. Like I'm not talking about technically bad or they were they had challenges, you know, technically, whatever. They were not good people. They were not. They were they stirred a bunch of. They just made all this drama. They they talk crap about everybody rather than working. I don't have nothing good to say about them. And God forbid somebody call me about them because I'm going to tell the truth. And that's the worst thing that anybody can do for them. I'm I don't have nothing good to say about some of these people. Nothing. They probably ruined people's lives while they were there. So I don't have nothing good to say about them. No, I, and they would not know if they talk to me. I'll be just like I'm talking to you guys right now. They would not know that I, that I, like Kang said, I will burn them out of time. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, yeah, don't burn bridges. So how how important is networking engineering to to uh, IT? It, I would say it's pretty important. So. This one of the things I list is the main things you should know, even if you're going to go into cybersecurity and not be technical. You should know um, top ports and protocol, top ports, protocols and services, like at least top 25, the most popular ones. You should know um, you should know a little bit about cloud engineering because it's just it's really popular now. Just basic stuff. You know, um, you should know how to do um, command line interface for Linux and for Microsoft. You don't have to know like how to do a batch or anything it's like you just know how to uh navigate um in the and maybe copy files from one folder to another you just need to know like how to how to get around in command line interface and the other thing is networking like you need to know how how this ip is sending packets to this other ip very important i would say those are the top things i would say that you need to know hope that answers your question um, let me see here. Remember, Frosters always say the book is closed. You can't get in. I don't know what that means. What is your guide to which shirts to get first and how many is good for your resume? What is your guide for which search to get first and how many is good for your resume? I would say the first thing you should you should focus on is experience. Experience is more important than um, a degree and it's more important than a certification. Um, a lot of people are, it's just easier to talk about certifications. It seems it's an easy box to check, but the things that I notice a lot of people don't talk about is experience. Experience is more important than any of that stuff. That being said, once you, you have the experience and once you have the knowledge, one of the one that can help you to get the knowledge and gain experience um, as you're getting the certification, I would say if you're starting out from scratch, would be the one that I first started off with, which is CompTIA A plus would be the one. I can't speak on the Google IT certification. I don't I, I've not taken that one. I don't know anybody personally who took it and is doing well with it. Some people who've contacted me on TikTok and YouTube have said, yeah, I have it. I got a, a job making 45, 50, you know, and I don't have a lot of experience. I've been told that, but it's hearsay for me. Um, me personally, I can tell you with an A-plus certification, it is marketable. You're not going to get a high-paying job with it, right? It's an entry-level certification. 
And for a person who's starting out, it's very difficult. I would not say it's for a person who's been doing help desk for two, three years. Like you should probably just go straight to a security plus. But if you're new to this and you've never done it before, the common body of knowledge that CompTIA A plus gives you is is awesome. So one of the first ones you should get would be that one. If you happen to be an IT person who's been in this field for a while, Security Plus probably. Um, those are entry level certs. That's why I'm talking about them. Um, if you're trying to level up, you have, let's say you already have a Security Plus, you already have an A plus certification, you've been doing this for three years, maybe thinking about. There's a couple I would recommend. Uh, it depends on what specialization. If you're trying to go into networking, probably either Juniper, a Cisco certification, or Palo Alto certification, one of those, maybe even um, VMware certification, entry level, because now you're going to specialize in networking. If you're trying to do ethical hacking or if you're trying to do some red team type stuff, then you probably want to do either Kali Linux certification at over at uh, Offensive Security um, just Google offensive security. You'll see their site. Um, they have great certifications, entry level certifications, not entry level, but like specializations. Another one would be um, GPIN from SANS courses. Not cheap, but one of the best. Another one would be CEH. People talk shit about it, but it's highly marketable. It's a great certification if you're trying to get money. Uh, <laughs> those are three certifications I would recommend that are still kind of like entry level. Um that, but specializing in one thing, cloud certifications, if you're trying to specialize in cloud and you have experience already and you're trying to get a specialization, I would say AWS, ACP certificate, I think it's called ACP, a, the entry level cloud certification with Amazon, uh, the entry level certification for, I don't know how good CompTIA's Cloud Plus is, I don't know about that one. But I will say Google's is is good. I've seen a lot of my friends have gotten that one. And that's that's a pretty good one to put on your resume. And I know I'm forgetting one. Uh, good one. Um, IC2 Squared has a cloud certification. I like all their stuff. I don't know how marketable that one is, but it, it's there. And Azure, that's the one I was thinking. So Azure is also a good one. That's Microsoft's implementation of cloud. So those are some certifications that you could get. But again, experience is king. That's the first thing you should get. Uh, let me see. Let me see. So you recommend Security Plus, A Plus for a security, a cybersecurity analyst. So actually, for cybersecurity analysts, there's a there's a specialization that you can do. If you have experience already, let's say you're an IT. See, it depends on where you're at. Like, how much experience do you have? I can tell you exactly what certification to get that's going to help you. How much experience in IT do you have? Tell me that, and I could tell you, I could tell you a couple certs. But I could, off the top of my head, there's one that specializes from CompTIA. It's not Security Plus. It's not an A Plus. The one that's out there is called uh, No Experience. Okay, then yeah, you you need to start from the from getting A Plus. Okay, good. Start from there. Start from there. CYSA. Somebody said that's exactly what was on my mind. So CYSA is one of the top entry levels. Uh, SOC analyst position um, certifications that you can get. Thank you for that, Yo-Yo. I appreciate that. Um, I, I really love when some other guys here on here who know what they're talking about are telling. Yeah, that's a that's a good. It's a great cert that I have. I have it. Yeah, so I know plenty of people who have that one, and they are analysts, and that that's a great 
from what I hear, that is a great search and it's marketable. If you type in the Indeed or Dice.com right now, it's, it's highly marketable. And it focuses on analyst type work. No IT experience, but currently online boot camp for data uh, center technician. How's it going? How's that certificate? How's that boot camp going for you? I'm curious. All right. So somebody's asking me on stocked up says, so basically you recommend a security plus and a plus for security analysts. And yes, I'm watching both platforms. I'm so hungry for knowledge. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Okay. So since you're on both platforms, let me show you some, some, something sick. Let me show you one I recommend after you get your a plus. So after you get your a plus, I would highly recommend uh security plus it's, it's a very marketable certification because you won't be limited to just cybersecurity analysts. Okay. But that said, there is a specialization that I'm about to show you that somebody actually mentioned CompTIA. CYSA. Let me show you what we mean by CYSA. CYSA plus. Somebody said it, and I want to show you what we're talking about here. I'm going to show you my screen if you're on. Uh, if you're on YouTube, so it's CYSA plus. This is the one he's talking about. Cybersecurity analyst. You know what I'm saying? So this is the one that you've probably been looking for. This is probably what you, the answer that you seek is here. <laughs> cybersecurity analyst. See that? Boom. A CompTIA cybersecurity analyst plus is a certification for cybersecurity professionals, cyber professionals tasked with incident detection, prevention, response through continuous security monitoring. This is what SOC analysts do. This is what they do. And so it's breaking down all the stuff that, you, that you're gonna like wanna focus on. So this is another option for you. Yeah, this is, this is not a bad certification, especially if you're really wanting to uh, focus on this. And, and here's why it's, it's highly marketable because these organizations are looking for that certification or hiring people based on that certification. It's also on the 8570, 8140 document, which is a document that recommends federal agencies get a certain certification. And CYSA plus is on there. This is the one you this is what you're looking for. This is what you want me to say. So here it is right here. <laughs> there it is. I hope that helps. Um Okay, let me see. Other questions here. Mm -mm -mm. Google IT helped me get started. It helped you. It helps you to learn the basics of the field. Oh, Yo-Yo, you have this? Yo-Yo, listen, man, I got a question for you. I See, I don't know anybody personally who has this certification, but I keep hearing people talk about it. All I hear is people telling me, hey, I have it. I made X amount of dollars, blah, blah, blah. Did Were you able to get a job with the Google Plus? I mean, sorry, Google IT certification. I'm very curious about this, Yo-Yo. Yep. You So you were able to actually land a job with a Google, with or without experience. My question to you, Yo-Yo, is if you have a Google IT support certification, I wasn't. I had to get a security plus. I thought so. I thought so. You just 
you just solidified what I thought. You know why? Because it's about numbers, man. It's a numbers game. That's why. It's a freaking numbers game. Let me show you guys. Let me got, let me put you guys on some serious game. Here's why. I'm not saying not to get the Google IT um, certification. I'm saying that this is a numbers game, y'all. Let me show you my screen here on Google. On, uh, let me show you. This is important. This is important, guys. Like this, this, I'm about to put you on some serious game. Now, you want more information on this? Um, if you go to if you go to um convocourses.net, I have a book that's about to be free on Tuesday. Very soon, it's about to be free. But let me show you what I mean when I say um it's a numbers game. So if I type in, let me show you. Okay, let's start off with something we know we know is hot. CISSP. CISSP is the premier top cybersecurity certification by market market share. Look at that. There's 12,000 jobs in the U.S. right now looking for a cybersecurity, a, a CISSP. Now, watch this. Watch this. Now, let's look for a security plus. Security plus. Now, there's different variations of this because it could be security plus or it could be plus or whatever. But we're just going to type in security plus, okay? And watch, watch what we're seeing here. So look at that. Look how many jobs. Now, this is misleading. That's not, that's almost a million jobs. I don't think that's correct. So let's, let's look at, let's look at this. Let's look at um, CompTIA. Let's look at CompTIA. Let's get these numbers correct. CompTIA. I think it just look for all security jobs, period. That's not correct. So this is more like it. 7,000 jobs. That's reasonable. And these are specifically people looking for CompTIA Security security Plus, right? Now, watch this. Watch what I'm trying to say here is that it's a numbers game. We're talking about marketability of a certification. Now, if I type in Google IT support, right? This is that's the name of the certification. How many jobs are looking for this? I don't know. Let's see. Maybe I'm incorrect. Six, six jobs, y'all. Six jobs. This is one of, it's a numbers game. I'm not saying nobody can get a job doing this, but only six people are looking for this job. That being said, I mean, these are not bad jobs. This is working directly for freaking Google. Once you put this shit on your resume, you're hot. If you can get if you can land this job right here with a damn Google IT support, uh job like that's hot that you can put google itself is a great keyword to put on your resume so let's continue this let me show you guys something else let me show you something else this is hot this is hot let me let me i'm gonna type in um network plus comptia network plus it's a numbers game so the marketability is based on how many organizations even know about this certification so that's quite a few. Network plus 7,000 jobs are looking for a network. CompTIA. I've typed in CompTIA Network Plus. CompTIA. And it's probably lighting up on CompTIA, to be honest with you. Um, it's probably lighting up on CompTIA. I would, if I, because this looks like the same number we saw for Network Plus. Let's see. 
let's do a little a quick little uh demonstration all right so what was the number here let's see what was the number what was the number there it is right seven thousand seven hundred twenty four keep in mind keep that number in your mind seven thousand seven twenty four now we're gonna type in security plus what do we see here 7,091. Okay, so 7,791. So maybe maybe that's accurate then. So I guess people, I was, you know what? I'm going to admit that I'm wrong. Network Plus is, is pretty good. It's marketable. There you go, right? There you have it. There you have it. People are looking for Network Plus. I stand corrected. I stand I've, I've been talking crap about my certification, Network Plus, but it is it is kind of marketable. So, yeah, I just want to let you guys know, like marketability is based off of. It's based off how many people know the certification. And this just dawned on me because I have a bunch of certs and I just noticed. It's it's years of me doing this and sometimes I'll get a cert and I'm thinking, oh, man, once I get this cert, I'm going to so many people are going to want me. I'm going to make X amount of dollars. And sometimes I'll get the cert. I put on my resume and my responses are the same. And it's got me thinking, like, you know what? Maybe some of these certifications aren't as marketable as I thought. And the first time I seen this, oh, man, what, what certification did I get that that happened? I got one time I got an Oracle certification. I was doing database stuff for a scene and I got an Oracle certification. And I thought as soon as I got that that Oracle certification, and this seems or I had an ArcSight certification. As soon as I put that on there, it would be like I people be asking me, you know, I'd get all these job offers for 200,000 and stuff. And that didn't happen. And the reason why is because it's just it was just it wasn't marketable. The certification ArcSight was getting destroyed by Splunk and Splunk went like this and ArcSight went like this in market share. It was the marketability. Like if nobody's using that system, nobody's going to call you to manage it or fix it or whatever. You know what I mean? And then the other one was Oracle. Like I had a certification, but I had the low level certification. I had like an OC, an, an OCA. I can't, I can't, it's been so long. I can't remember. OCP. I don't remember, but they were looking for the the pro, the professional level sir and they were looking for database experience not no certification lessons learned y'all lessons learned learnt mr perry says hey bruce if you don't mind um i did a free youtube course that provides a lot of guidance as well just add this to your conversation uh where uh where you provide uh, where I provide a lot of roadmaps. Okay, let me see if I can add this. If you guys didn't know, I'm I'm actually on YouTube right now and I'm sharing out the link. So if you guys want to check this out, actually, this man is on LinkedIn. But if you type this in, I'll just put it on my YouTube channel. Go ahead and check him out. We got another cybersecurity person who is teaching for free a roadmap and guidance of information technology. What specifically are we talking about, Mr. Perry? Is this information technology or is it cybersecurity? So this is, he says, provide a lot of guidance as well. 
and this adds to the conversation. It's a roadmap. So go ahead and go check that out. Any help is good. We don't have a lot of uh, good people talking about this kind of stuff. So go ahead and check out Mr. Perry. There's his link in my YouTube channel. If you guys happen to be watching this and people are going to watch this for years to come, I'm going to leave this out there. So you'll you'll probably be getting residual um, contacts from this for very specialized people who are like really looking for one thing. I don't get a lot of traffic, but the people who do come to my site are are people who are on a mission. So they will find you. So there you go. I'll leave that up for a minute, Mr. Perry. If you happen to have already left. What is the name of your YouTube channel? I'm so happy that you asked that. The name of my YouTube channel is Convo Courses. If you go to YouTube and type in Convo Courses, you'll see me. Um, and right now, if you if you go on there, I'm live right now, and you'll see another dude, Mr. Perry, who is on LinkedIn, and he put his link up there. So you'll see both of us. And I, uh, I've got a link to my website where I'm giving out free stuff, cybersecurity and GRC. Yeah, we don't have enough people talking about this. So cybersecurity and GRC stuff, you'll see Mr. Perry, you'll see myself. Go to combocourses.com. And Mr. Perry, what is the name of your site on YouTube, if you don't mind? That way somebody could just type in the name of your YouTube channel and they'll be able to find it. So ComboCourses.com on TikTok, ComboCourses.com on Facebook, ComboCourses.com on Instagram, ComboCourses.com on YouTube, uh, everywhere, Combo Courses. Go to Google, type in Combo Courses, you probably come up with, I've got three different main sites, four different sites that I use, but probably two different main ones. So go ahead and check me out. Tons of free stuff, all kinds of downloadables, discounts all the time. If you're on my newsletter, it's fire. I'm giving out, I'm telling you, jobs that are being offered, um, all kinds of stuff is being offered. I'm giving out free books for reviews. I'm giving out all kinds of stuff. And in the future, what I want to have is people like my man Perry, and I just advertise their stuff. I just say, look, here's Mr. Perry. He just did this video right, like right I'm doing right now, and he's doing some stuff on GRC. It's a roadmap. Check it out. I might even take Mr. Perry's content, put it on my site so that you guys can have even more access to more information. I do stuff like that. I'm just trying to help people out. His okay, so the name of this one is Cyber JA. Cyber JA, Mr. Perry's site on YouTube, Cyber JA, if you guys didn't know. Okay. Thanks for that. Uh allowing me to do that plug real quick. I appreciate that. Uh, let me see if I have any other questions. We've been talking for about two hours, guys. I'm going to close this thing out real soon. But thank you. First of all, thank you so much, all you guys, all you professionals who've been helping people um, answer these questions. I really appreciate that. I can't answer all these questions by myself. Um, I've got a lot of new people coming in, a lot of window shoppers and stuff. People who just kind of looky-lose coming in and trying to figure things out. But then a lot of people are very serious who have already been doing this. And I really appreciate everybody who comes here. Let me see. Any other last questions? Can you travel out of country and work a cybersecurity job? This is my last question. Can you work out of the country and work a cybersecurity job? Yes, I know this because I've done it myself. 
Um, now, it depends on the job. You can't do this with all jobs. Just to kind of give, lay, give you a layout. I've been working remotely for since 2014. Since 2014, I've been working 100% remote. Not all 100% remote jobs will allow you to travel out of the country. Some, some don't even want you to out of the state. So not all 100% remote jobs are the same. The reason I say 100% remote is because those are the ones that are typically going to allow you to work outside the country. Some jobs don't care where you're working from as long as you get the work done. Most of those are private sector jobs. Um, and in the last two jobs I had, they didn't care where I was from. And as a matter of fact, a couple of my coworkers, one was in India. He was like flying from India from family or something like that. And the other guy was flying from Ireland. He was like in and out of Ireland for whatever reason. So these two guys were working remotely the whole time. We'd be on meetings. They'd be in one guy be in Ireland, one guy be in, in India coming back to Virginia or wherever he lived. And so, yes, the answer is yes. And then the job before that, um, I was I, I traveled quite a bit. I was tra traveling probably 30 percent of my time was traveling, like maybe 25 percent, probably more like 20, 25 percent. And they didn't care if I travel out the country. I could as long as I was on those meetings, I was on those calls. And if I had to go travel, I had to be back in the country, obviously, to go to Texas or wherever I was going to go run a scan or whatever I was doing. So um, those two jobs were both private sector. Now, that being said, I work 100 percent remote right now for a three letter federal organization. And I cannot go anywhere with their laptop. <laughs> I cannot travel outside the country with this job. So, yeah. So I've had another job like this before, 100% remote. But they're like, listen, like you can't travel outside the country. But then I've had jobs where they were okay with it. It was a federal job. Like I was a contractor for a federal organization. I just had to let them know, hey, I'm going to be in this country for X amount of time. And they were they didn't care, you know, as long as I did the work and stuff. But they because they already had people all over the world. So they were like, you know, it's fine, but you just, just let us know what's going on. So it depends on the job. But yes, with cybersecurity work, you can work outside the country. You just need to know what's going on with their with the policies that a lot of times organizations have travel policies that some allow you to travel. Some don't, you know, so just keep that in mind. All right, guys, that's it for this one. Um, thank you so much for watching. I really appreciate everyone, everybody on uh, on the live stream, on Podbean, on um, who's been listening to me. I really appreciate that. People on TikTok, thank you guys every week for showing up. It's kind of crazy. I, ne I never expected even to have uh, three people, let alone 14 people watching me at any given time live asking me questions. I had no idea so many people were interested in this. And then, of course, YouTube. I've been doing this for years on YouTube. So, Thank you guys so much for all your support. And if you guys didn't know, before I leave, I got a free book coming out. It's how to get into cybersecurity, how to write your resume for cybersecurity, how to market your resume, and how to do what I've been doing. I am basically have a book where I work. I, it's three books in one, by the way. It's three books in one. It's going to have a huge discount. Right now it has a discount, but I'm going to cut prices 100% out for five days. It starts on Tuesday, which is what day is that? That is the 18th. On the 18th, it's going to be free on Amazon. 
for you guys to download and give me a positive review about that awesome book that's going to tell you how to upgrade your career and, and tell you every all the secrets that I've been doing for years. It's going to walk you through it. It's three books in one. The first book is How to Do a Cybersecurity Resume. This is absolutely perfect if you happen to be trying to level up. If you're on the help desk and you're like, man, I need to level up. This is perfect for you. If you're trying to get into this career and you don't like know what to do and you're like, you don't know what cybersecurity is. Like I have another book that breaks down the entire cybersecurity market. It breaks down the categories and then the jobs in those categories, the job titles. And it talks about like what certifications you could get. You should get if you're trying to be like a criminal investigator, like do CSI stuff. Or if you wanted to do uh, you want to be a scientist, what kind of background you need to do for that for cybersecurity. Or if you wanted to do what I do, which is GRC stuff, or you want to be a, a cybersecurity hacker. Uh, all these types of roles and then all the actual certifications. It has a book that breaks all that down. And then the final book in that series of the bundle that you're going to get for free on the 18th on Tuesday is a work from home book. It's a short book, but I get straight to the point about how to get in this field and work remotely like I've been doing for the last since 2014. So that's it, guys. Thank you guys so much for watching. If you're interested in that book and the link and all that kind of stuff, it's in combocourses.net. It'll be right there on the top. There's a link that will take you straight there. Or you can just go to Amazon and type in cybersecurity jobs bundle, and you'll find it that way as well. Thank you, guys. I will talk to you guys later. Peace. It's been two hours. I'm out of here, and I'll see you guys on the next one.